everybody. Welcome. This is the Yard Sign, uh, Florida's political podcast. Uh, Johnny Torres, your host. Anibal David Cabrera joining me as always. And we have a special guest joining us for the first time uh, tonight. And so, uh, of course, plenty to talk about as uh, there's never a dull moment in Florida politics and certainly in uh, our current national politics as well. And so let's get right into today's topics. We'll talk about DeSantis defeating Disney uh, and why nobody's really uh, kind of out there celebrating. Uh, so we'll pick that story apart as, uh, again, uh, this show, we're only an hour away from the Magic Kingdom and uh, and very relevant, of course, uh, even in this 2024 election. And so we'll talk about why it is or isn't affecting the presidential campaign. Biden's burning house. I mean, uh, you know, is, is there really? I, I, I mean, I don't know. Who, uh, somebody said it online. I don't know who 30% of uh, Biden supporters are, but they obviously are, you know, are living under a rock because... Uh, um, anything that can go wrong is going wrong for this administration, uh, including a something we're not even going to be able to get to today, but the uh, UAW going on strike. Um, so now they have that to add to uh, economic factors out there. Uh, and of course, the 2024 poll numbers, as there continues to be a lot of speculation about who is or isn't in the race. And of course, how vulnerable is Joe Biden, not only against Trump, but of course against the entire Republican field. That's a much larger conversation that we're going to be getting into today. So, uh, as I said, joining Enable and I tonight is a, a special guest, a friend for a long time. We worked together uh, in the same building uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, where I was getting my radio start. Uh, that was, uh, was my first on-air job was uh, in that building. And then uh, I came to learn when uh, you and I were kind of catching up, it was your first um, talk show. Right. Because you'd come over from music radio. So Darla J joining us, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you very much for inviting me. Well, thank you so much, and it's so awesome to have you here in town. You've uh, semi-retired here to the state of Florida, uh, like many do, and uh, I think your timing couldn't have been better. Uh, and uh, very cool to also have your knowledge, your expertise uh, politically now here in our backyard, and so I uh, hope that this is the first of many appearances uh, to the show. I would like that. Um, so as long as I don't screw up today, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you That's know, as many people do in the radio industry, cause I moved about every year I was in the business. Uh, I know you moved around quite a bit too. Um, explain for those of us who were kind of born and raised here, like really how different is it out there, <laughs> you know, in some of these other cities and states, uh, you know, in comparison to, you know, the Florida that you've now come to know have being that you've moved here. Well, I grew up in Minneapolis, and when I left Minneapolis for my first radio job, I went to Lafayette, Indiana. So I went from downtown Minneapolis wow. to a cornfield. Yeah. And I got to my apartment, and I couldn't figure out what the smell was. <laughs> there was a pig farm on the other side of some oh, houses, no. so you could never open your windows. Wow. I went from there to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm -hmm. I was there for eight years. Then I went to Cleveland, Ohio. Then I went to Minneapolis. Then I went to San Francisco. Then I went to Detroit, and from Detroit was when I decided I didn't want to be in rock radio anymore. Yeah. And the only person who would give me a shot was Bill Donovan in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, who's still alive. I mean, yeah. I mean, because he was old when we worked there. I mean, you know, <laughs> is he and, listening? I know. <laughs> I mean, but you know, that's amazing. You know that oh, yeah. uh, because he did make 
you know, so many careers and gave so many opportunities. His most notable, which they use obviously as a selling point because they use it to get, they used it to get me in the door. And me too. I was working in Tampa, same, same thing. I'm working big city, big market. And uh, Bill West just turned the key just hard enough, you know, to convince me to move to Huntsville, Alabama of all places uh, to do top 40 radio. And his big selling point was like, hey, well, I don't know if you knew this, but Sean Hannity right. got his first talk radio show in this building and i was like wow that's amazing you know and uh uh and, and in a similar fashion uh i kind of felt like i grew out of music radio yeah in the sense that i felt like um, it was almost like phony i felt like there's so much really important things going on right and i'm here talking about music and pop culture and celebrities and you know stuff that doesn't truly mean anything and that's kind of but that was the beginning of my process of self-discovery for politics you know and my passion for politics i didn't realize i had i never you know my family was very apolitical and uh and so you know here we are you know still banging the political drum all these years later um and i can imagine because Nebel and i've had these conversations when we've taken a break from the show how hard it is to kind of sit back and not have a platform to <laughs> to get all these you know perspectives and 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 all this analysis off your chest i've i've said to several of my friends i need somebody to yell at <laughs> i mean i i i follow the news i'm still a news junkie and i follow politics and i get so frustrated it's like who can i tell my dog doesn't care yeah right right so um well you don't want to alienate any more friends than you probably already right have. <laughs> and, and i don't i don't know the neighbors yeah. politics and where i'm living and yeah. um but i do miss i miss being on the air i don't miss the business gotcha right right yeah yeah and, and it's unfortunate because even way back when i could almost see the beginning of the end uh, you know in terms of the end of where the, to where this the the industry is now and that's a whole nother conversation in terms of where radio is and you know and in very similar ways to broadcast television and newspapers right. and you know they're struggling um and i think just you know the cliff's notes version is we'll see the day where it's going to go back to local ownership um i don't think there's that would be great i don't think some of these companies especially the bigger they are i think the harder they're finding it to truly monetize or profit or make the, the make the profits that that they were hoping to make by building these kind of national corporate conglomerates of radio stations yeah, I, I was, after I left um, Huntsville, I was in Kansas City for, I was on the air for f almost 15 years Wow. there. And um, in the beginning, it was great fun. Yeah. But as, as we consolidated more and more, and my company kept buying more stations, I think there were eight stations in one building. Wow. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of got moved around a little bit. And because when I first got there, they'd never had a, a female talk show host yeah. in Kansas City. Right. I don't think they had in Huntsville either. No. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like the token chick when I first started. Yeah. The only women you'd hear were typically like co hosts on a morning show or That's something. That's exactly like that, right. You know. And, um, uh, but again, I thought, I've always felt that that was kind of an advantage, especially in today's environment. Right. You know, we're seeing, uh, you know, both on television and, on, and, and in radio, more women obviously taking those kind of anchor type roles um, and having their own programs and that sort of thing. And so, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, like I said, excited to have you here 
here in town. Thank and you. Excited to have you on today's show. Uh, you, mm, not so much. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm here. Honestly, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, <laughs> But let's start off with, uh, you know, a, a topic that I think Anibal and I are secretly very passionate about, but it's uh, DeSantis defeating Disney. Uh, and uh, w whenever you want, producer, you can go ahead and pull up the article. Uh, because when this all started, it, began, it started because of the uh, parental rights bill. Right. You know, where teachers were not allowed to talk about uh, gender and sexuality and things to their students without parents' permission or parents' approval, um, especially when it came to their personal situation. Um, and, uh, and then that, of course, got com taken completely out of context by the left. The media latched onto that and turned it into what they then don't called say gay the bill. Don't Say Gay Bill, which wasn't about that at all. Um, you know, kids are still free to be whoever they want to be in, in the halls of their schools. Um, but Disney, under its previous CEO, decided to jump in the fray because they do have a large contingency of LGBTQ employees and got the whole thing again um, misconstrued. They had it all wrong because um, they were basically just reading whatever the media was putting out and didn't actually read the bill uh, or the language in, in the bill for Does what it was. Does anyone ever? Those people right. know. No, they find one paragraph and that's what they latch on to. Well, and, and it became the perfect storm. You had a CEO who then pulled all political uh, donations uh, from the state's largest employer um, or one of the state's largest employers. Um, and, and to be honest, he did pull from both sides. They pulled, they, they pulled political donations on both sides. Um, but again, just kind of kept digging deeper into that whole, um, into that whole, um, controversy. And so then even with Bob Iger coming back into the fray, the company maintained that they were going to cancel a bunch of projects, which they did because they were moving people out of California because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so they were going to build this kind of big corporate park in, in, in like near downtown Orlando that was going to also be millions, if not billions of dollars. They canceled that. Um, and then uh, they claimed that they were going to stop or reduce investment into its Florida parks. Well, fast forward to September 9th, and there's a great article about it on floridapolitics.com where they're talking about um, how Disney is going to be investing billions of dollars into its parks over the next decade. Why? Because it's its only profitable uh, arm of the Disney company right now. Their movies are, are not. <laughs> they're talking to Nexstar, um, uh, which is they loan local TV stations. They're about selling ABC off to them. Um, the rumor is that Penn Gaming, which used to use, own Barstool Sports, uh, may end up uh, buying ESPN. So they're trying to unload, I guess, what what really is their biggest loss leaders uh, right now, which is television. And their stock's um, in the tank, too, isn't yeah. it, pretty much? It, it's been at almost a 52-year low now for, I think, six months. Um, and, and so what's interesting to me, though, is neither side here really is kind of taking a victory lap on this. Um, um, now, my speculation is because 
you know, they do polling on this stuff, and I think they realized that this fight with Disney wasn't getting DeSantis anywhere, wasn't getting many brownie points on either side, really. Um, and, uh, and, and on the liberal side, obviously, or even on Disney's side, well, it wasn't a win because, again, they kind of had to not only cancel, but they decided to cancel a whole bunch of things because of their financial situation. But at the same time, they have now decided to kind of go against what they claimed, which was that they weren't going to be investing as much in Florida. I mean, the last official comment from the governor was, I'm, we're moving forward. We're moving on this. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. He doesn't want to bash them anymore. And I think that the larger conversation is that I think you're right. I think the government... Governor has governor's team has decided that this is a losing or not mutually defendable position at the moment. Yeah, it just doesn't move the it needle. Doesn't move the needle. The American, I mean, Floridians are still going to Disney parks. Right. Um, their movies are garbage right now. Awful. A lot of their franchises and everything else is. Now, as you and I both know, the parks are not as full as they they have been in the past. Correct. Um, we don't see that. It's that. also 112 degrees outside. Right. In the yeah. summer. Like this is the time when Floridians actually go to the parks because no one is there. But and we see that more happening more often now that right. more Floridians are attending the parks than before. But I will say this is just not a winnable on either side. I think I think I do see the Disney company starting to to purge a lot of its own individual companies and starting to spin off. I would see a lot more spinoffs happening. The Barcel situation with ESPN and the other one is, was fascinating to see how he was able to pay basically nothing to get Barcel back. So that was, that was a crazy situation on their side. Well, and and it's it's more than just the investment, right? Because you could say, well, it's obviously going to benefit them and they have to do it just to be, remain competitive. As Universal has huge expansion plans uh, in uh, underway already in Orlando. Um, but to me, the other big win is for DeSantis is that he basically loaded up the governing board for Reedy Creek, the Reedy Creek Development District, which is Disney, basically. That's, that's, that's the name under which they're governed because they own so much land. They're basically their own city, their own town. Um, and they cleaned house, got all the Disney people out of there, and they've put you know all the governor's people in there. And I think that long term, we'll see what kind of an effect that has. But that to me sends the message that Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida. And you don't mess with the governor of Florida. <laughs> well, basically it was a win for him. I mean, some people were upset that he was going after Disney, but Disney, in my opinion, brought that on themselves. Yeah. By by saying, oh, this is the don't say gay bill and and coming out. And ever since then, you know, you see all kinds of stuff coming out of Disney with. Um, oh, I saw a couple of guys are now Disney princesses and, you know, that that culture stuff really sticks with people. And I think that for Ron DeSantis, he got what he needed out of it and now he's moving on. And Disney is now only going to go after him for, what, freedom of speech, they're saying? Yeah, that seems to be the only uh, lawsuit that's kind of left out there is this kind of freedom of speech, um, which, again, brings it back to do corporations have a freedom of speech, you know? And if, and if you're taxing them, <laughs> if you are taxing them, then they do have freedom of sure, speech. Sure, right, which is the Republican argument for allowing them to make political donations, you know, which goes back, I don't know, what, 20, 30 years? Yeah. The Citizens um, United. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so... 
again, while I think a lot of people burned out on that whole fight pretty quickly, um, again, I, to me, looking at it, I do give him credit, you know, for his presidential campaign and saying, you know what, he's not afraid to go up against this international corporate conglomerate, you know, because again, Disney has billions of dollars. Um, and lucky for him, they haven't decided to retaliate, you know, because they could. They could easily start their own pack and start smearing him and destroying his campaign. Now, I don't know if that's going to change if he were to win the nomination. Right now, obviously, they don't see the need to get involved, right? which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, I think, I mean, do you think that the, the this whole fight is over on both sides? I mean, I would like to say that it's over. I don't see the benefit of either side moving in the direction it needs to go to take another hit. Um, if you're going to attack, I don't. Once I think the midterms occurred and Governor DeSantis got another four years and the 20-point-plus lead that he right. received from that. Huge. And moving Florida from a purple state into a definitive red state, I don't see that changing any, anytime soon. Uh, uh, I think VOX, Vox, made a video talking about how Florida has been going from blue to red and now solid red. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, they would never make a video like this for California. <laughs> Why did it go from right. red to blue? Sure. They only care about, and they were talking about the, the things that were causing problems that they feel are issues for Floridians. But it was more or less like Florida was a state that everyone is very happy with the governor. Everyone was happy with the policies. And if... Disney wants to try to do something, maybe a pack in the future, but I don't see them throwing any more money that they can no longer afford to begin with. Well, in in thinking about this also, you know, again, long term, right? You know, because, I mean, this Republican stronghold didn't happen overnight. I mean, this started really with the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. You know, Jeb actually under a very strong, you know, kind of funny, it all kind of repeats itself, under a very strong education reform platform, you know, really kind of made the case for Republican leadership. Um, you know, education was always like his strong suit in reforming education here in Florida. Um, and, you know, we got lucky. We, we, you know, after we got past Charlie Crist, you know, we, right. we ended up having great Republican leadership, you know, as, as governors. You know, Rick Scott did a fantastic job. I think DeSantis has continued to build on that. You know, we have billions of dollars in surplus. Uh, and, and again, they, you know, at least at the state level, you know, they haven't raised taxes, you know, and, and the cost of living, aside from the housing market, you know, has remained relatively kind of consistent. You know, the housing market is crazy. Uh, well, and it's, it, again, there's the market forces. I should have forces. moved here six months earlier. <laughs> well, Honestly, that's how it was back in the day. And there's exactly. market forces out of our control, right, in that regard. So, you know, there's not really much the state can do, you know, because really the only solution to bring down housing prices is to build a lot more housing, which causes a whole slew of other problems, especially here in Tampa Bay and Hillsborough County, where we originate the show. I mean, the parts of the county where you and I live, I mean, uh, it, the, the construction is still happening at a much faster rate than the infrastructure. Um, and and that's a really bad position to be in. It's It's been a thing where Florida never built up, like outside of, of, the, of South Florida. Now you're seeing a situation where everything has to go up and the costs are going up and everything else. So it's we're gonna lose that charm because no one wants to live in the outskirts or in, in the podunk parts of the counties. They yeah. wanna live inside the cities. And the only way to do that is to move is to start building up. And that is causing its own issues onto itself because the cities are not used to that kind of development that quickly. 
besides Miami. Yeah. Honestly, Miami is the only part of the state of the state that is used to building up very quickly because they cannot. They have the Everglades, which you cannot they're build landlocked. into. And yeah, yeah, they're basically landlocked, and you can't move into the sea. So, and, and what's happening there, I think, is also eventually, I think, in another twenty years on down, going to be what's happening in Pinell is going to happen in Pinellas County, to the point where you're so landlocked, you start to go vertical, but then the lack of land to build any kind of new development on gets so expensive that the, again the prices are going to become astronomical now there are a lot of other reasons why oh, miami yeah. real estate <laughs> is as ridiculous as it is a lot of it unfortunately is you know i think money laundering you know and and other things going on i mean you know you hear reports about a lot of these condominium buildings being practically empty uh, but they continue to build them uh, and uh, and even New York is having that problem too. A lot of these billionaires row buildings because they uh, all came to Florida. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, and so uh, we can, we we can kind of transition to the next topic uh, because again we've seen that obviously for DeSantis the Disney issue didn't really translate nationwide. Um, I think he can still use it. I think at the beginning it did because. I know for, I was living in Texas before I moved here. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, started following DeSantis. And one of the things that impressed me was that, and I, I will use this, he has testicular fortitude. He will actually stand up and say what he believes, and he'll stand behind what he believes. And I think a lot of people in who consider themselves Republicans are ticked off that that more Republicans don't fight back. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was what elevated him is because he was he was a fighter and he wasn't going to back down. Yeah. And well, and that's where we've seen where we've seen a lot of Trump's influence on DeSantis. That's yes. undeniable. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly kind of your timing as to when you were here, but I think you missed that that first gubernatorial run um, when DeSantis yes. got elected the first time. He was not the same person that he no. is today. No, he's not. Um, he's he, now he's always been a not so great public speaker. He's always been kind of flat, you know, not as charismatic, not you know, charming. It was to his credit, it was Trump's endorsement that basically pushed him into uh, into winning. A leader, into winning that election against a very popular opponent. You know, Adam Putnam basically was Florida's political golden child. Correct. He could do no wrong. He until was until he ended up in jail, right? Uh, no, not Adam Putnam. Oh, oh you're talking he, about on the Republican side. Yeah, 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 yeah. On the Republican side, I mean, he had been in Congress. He'd been an agriculture commissioner. Very popular, despite, again, being in relatively unknown positions statewide. Because, um, again, like right now, you know, who, you know, most people couldn't tell you who their agriculture commissioner is. Um, oh, but we did. But, yeah. <laughs> but Adam Putnam did a great job. of. Uh, he had a great name ID in, in, the, in the state. And wasn't he ahead until Trump endorsed? Oh yeah, yes. oh, he was. It was almost a shoe in. I mean, it was like his race to lose until that endorsement. That endorsement changed everything. Um, fast forward, and then again, he adopted a lot of Trump's mannerisms, and he adopted a lot of what I think 
is is why I also give a lot of leeway to Trump because it was the one thing that I heard when I first got involved in in politics for so long is that Republicans don't push back. The Republicans don't punch back, they don't defend, they don't, you know. And Trump was all of those things. He pushed back, he punched back. He he didn't let the left and the media win. Um, but he also did it with a, a good sense of humor. One oh, of the sure. things about DeSantis is, you know, when, when Trump first endorsed him, when he was first running for governor, you know, he had a couple of those commercials that were very entertaining. It was him reading to his kids about building the wall. And right. he, I think yeah. he needs to do, he needs to do that because he doesn't yeah. have the, the charm. The problem is it's not natural, right? Right. Like it almost has to be coached into him. You know, and, and you can't make somebody charming and funny. Not off no. the cuff, no. right? Not not when you're doing meeting hundreds of people in Iowa. You know, not when you're again nonstop, and you know you have to do a lot of things off the cuff. It's not easy to be witty and charming, and you know those kind of things. Sure, I mean, it is. <laughs> I mean, look at me, yeah. right? Well, and what's what's unfortunate is that when he has tried to be relatable and that sort of thing, it's come off as kind of forced, and you know you got the people who make fun of the way he laughs and or the way he dresses or the way you know those white rubber boots <laughs> and the sweater always vest. come back to those <laughs> it we is always come back to those so Ugh. um it, it and, and so it's one of those things that um you can only borrow so much right um and and that's where he falls short of trump and that's where trump wins a lot of people over mm-hmm. you know because like I, I, I said about Chris Christie, like Chris Christie is Donald Trump without the charisma. You know what I mean? Like he's aggressive, he pushes back, you know, he, he, you know, he likes to punch back at the media and that, you know, and the liberals and that sort of thing. And, and remember, pre-Trump, Chris Christie was like the guy, right? right? Like everybody loved that about him, that that abrasiveness. He lost twenty and pounds. He was ready to right. run. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Going well, and then it just all fell apart. And then Donald Trump was like the next iteration of that, you know, because he did have not only that abrasiveness or that that again, what I, the simplest way to put it is Trump has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's 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 a self-made man. And so he doesn't have to answer to anybody, you know, whereas all these other politicians, you know, to be perfectly honest, they all have donors and they have people in their ear and they have that they have to listen to and be careful that they offend or don't offend and that sort of thing. Trump doesn't care about any of those people. Well, and I I think one of the things about uh, him running now is if he wins, there's nobody holding him back. Yeah. I mean, he's not running again. He's got four years to take a wrecking ball to Washington, D.C. Um, and I think that appeals to a lot of people, even though it's like, oh, you know, please don't start tweeting again. And yeah. couldn't you just shut up for a minute? Right. But he he has good ideas. He did do good things while he was president. You know, but most people paid attention to look at the yeah. shiny ball over right, here. Right, exactly. All the drama. Right? Yeah. Right. I cannot wait for a second administration, but let, let you continue with the stream of thought that you. Were yeah, going. no, it, because the truth is, is that I think it gave Ron DeSantis the fortitude to take on a Disney, to take on the media, because he realized that that there was more upside than downside, like taking that fight to them. And so when the reporters, you know, again, were trying to corner him, he could fight back 
and it not backfire on him. And I think Repo Republicans for way too long were afraid of the media. They were afraid to punch back, especially against the mainstream networks, you know, which again, Trump could care less about. He's been covered by all of them for so long, for his entire, you know, his entire adulthood. You know, he doesn't have this, this, this kind of pedestal that he holds them on. Um, whereas again, a lot of politicians live and die by the media because they know that the media can make or break your campaign. And, and Trump, I think, understands that his, his persona is bigger than that, right? It's bigger than any one network or any one media outlet. Um, and that it only helps him with the average voter to push back and tell them when they're wrong and tell them when they're being unfair and tell them when they're obscuring facts. Um, I, think and the, I think the biggest problem that we have right now is the fact that I don't think DeSantis ever thought he would have to run against Trump. I think that was never a thought when he received the original endorsement when he became governor six yeah. years ago. But we've talked about the timing, though. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'll kind of end the topic on this, you know, because you also brought it up, darling, I think even before the show and then and just a little bit ago. Yes, timing wise, it's not ideal, right? We all kind of wished, hey, you know, you, you don't, you hate seeing a huge primary like this because it just, it, it guts your resources for the general election. Um, but you have to understand that DeSantis right now has a platform that is, that helps him get elected and that's being the governor of Florida. In four years, he'll be two years out of having been the governor of Florida. And so now you look at a Chris Christie, a Mike Pence, uh, you know, a Nikki Haley, you know, these people who were former governors who don't have that platform anymore, and they don't have that punch. They don't have that that's that leverage of a, a, a platform because they're no longer the executive of a state. Um, and, and so that's why I think he had to build this now versus four years from now, whether Trump was on board or not. Um, it's just, I, I think he, he's stronger now in four years than he, if he had waited four years, because now he has the donor base, he has the donor, even the voter database, right? He knows people that are supporting him, people that donate to him. These are the, so basically if, if this primary does not turn out the way he wants it to for him, he's going to be ready to go in four years. And regardless He's, he's going to run in four years because Trump can't run again um, and, uh, and, or, and Biden can't run again. You don't think that <clears throat> I'd said to you earlier that, um, my opinion, he, uh, DeSantis waited too long to get in because you never let your main opponent define who and what you are. And Donald Trump had several months yeah. to hammer DeSantis, and he did. And I think that that hurt DeSantis quite a bit. I wonder, you know, and, and before he got in, I thought, you know, if he gets in, because I really liked him, um, and Donald Trump destroys him, then he's done, right? Yeah. Well, the, but politically speaking, if he had jumped into a presidential campaign before the legislative session, that also would have been a huge mistake. He had to and wait until they absolutely. changed the law, right? Well, not only changed the law, but they also, until he kind of checked off you know, his responsibilities, which was being, you know, the governor for the legislative session, because they would have seen him as distracted or, or removed or distanced from his actual responsibilities as governor. 
now, once this legislative session's over, you really don't have much to do as a governor other than to make sure that things go smoothly when there are things like hurricanes and other, you know, catastrophes like that. But I, I think it would have been a terrible decision to launch the campaign before the legislative session, despite the law. But I think that was the main thing. He wanted to make sure that legally he was free and clear to run. It wasn't the law. The law, what uh, he needed that because if you're governor, you weren't supposed to run for another office. Was that the law? I think it was. I, I don't know the precise verbiage, but I know that you couldn't officially launch a campaign without resigning your original position. Yeah. So I think that was the change that the. Yeah, he would have had to have resigned. Yeah. Because um, that happened with Marco on his second time around. He had to resign from the Senate. And then when he realized he wasn't going to become president, no, he well, had to run. He was able no, to No, because that's papers. a federal. No, that's for federal. That um, Senate is federal. No, that's what I'm saying. He didn't. That didn't apply to, to federal. He didn't have to resign. Okay. Um, but it is for statewide. You know, and, and so it's, it's the reason why back during the, the Chris administration, uh, which I don't know how closely you were following, but when the Senate seat opened up, he appointed his chief of staff basically to be the interim senator until his term as governor was over so he could run for that Senate seat. And that set up the matchup between Kristen Rubio in 2010. Is he a Democrat or Republican, is, an independent right now? Is, I mean, he, he's uh, pan. The best definition to give it is more of a pan political. Pan political. Wherever the the wind blows is yeah. really the way he's he's going in that direction because yeah. he's been the the spectrum. Literally has been the yeah. spectrum. But that was the reason why. If if Charlie Chris had run for that Senate seat in 2010, um, before his term as governor was over, uh, he would have had to have resigned, uh, and then allowed for the lieutenant governor to to take over those responsibilities. Um, and then putting, when he, and then when appointing, oh uh, yeah, appointing an interim. Everybody knew he was going to be the interim senator. Correct. But appointing his chief of staff basically to be the senator. Ingenious. You know, everybody Scumbag. knew that that was a basic placeholder. Right. Because he thought there was no way he was going to lose that that campaign for Senate. You know, he was a popular governor. He was moderate. He was, you know, he he was a shoe in he, he basically, it was his race to lose. And, and he, he's still one of the best Florida politicians. Like, oh yeah. Like, what's it called? Oh, I always forget the word when it comes to like town, low, small town politics. Retail politics. Retail, he's the he's best. He's very good at that. Retail politics. He's like Clinton. Yeah, you know, you always hear those stories yeah. about Clinton being so great. Always remembers your name and always knows who you are. And it's it's fascinating. Like I've run into him. I've run into him almost all the time. And every time he's like, oh, hi, I'm like, how do you even remember my name? And I was like, I've never voted for you. And I've told you I won't vote for you. But you still remember. It's, it's absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, uh, How's your wife? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I mean, and uh, anyways, well, I had so many stories of Chris that I could tell. But um, getting over to our second topic, uh, let's go ahead and kind of reset here. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching the Yard Sign. Uh, Darla J, our, our guest today, conservative talk show host extraordinaire, Anibal David Cabrera, joining me as well. Uh, we'll uh, talk about the Bidens and uh, the the burning house. That is the high, it reminds me of the meme, you know, with, I don't know if you've seen it with the little dog that's inside the room that's completely on fire. Everything's fine. Everything's and they're fine. like, yeah, everything's, everything's fine. fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and so 
not only is now Hunter being brought up on these federal gun charges, which is small potatoes compared to what's really happening. Um, and I think they're going to try and use these gun charges to try and cover up all the actual corruption that's happening. Um, but now we've got this impeachment. You know, and regardless of whether Fetterman thinks it's a waste of time or the Democrats don't think they have the votes, the truth of the matter is, is it's politically it's good ammunition. It's only going to continue to anchor down Biden's approval rating. It's only going to make the independent voter um, or the voter who may not may not like Biden um, only, you know, f- kind of deepen that resentment towards him because there are a lot of Democrats that don't want him to run. I think it's like 60 percent of Democrats don't want him to run. Um, or they, they want another option. They want another choice. Yeah. And so really. And it's not. Kamala. I think what the <laughs> well and we all know this impeachment hearing was is is, is what it's surfacing now is, is that the, the Freedom Caucus which is Matt Gates and Byron Donalds and, you know, a few others, um, you know, they said, hey, we're going to let you become speaker, you know, under the condition that you bring up impeachment uh, charges against And uh, he pushed Joe back Biden. against that forever. Yeah. Um, but again, now they have they have all the evidence. And I think what they need, what they're trying to do really is, regardless of whether or not they can actually impeach him, is at least have this evidence officially come to surface. And, so and that be everybody hears about public. it. Exactly. Yeah, the speaker multiple times told them that we were not going to do this right off the bat. Like, you have to give it time. You have to allow the process to work out. Because I think they wanted to impeach him, like, last year, honestly. Yeah. And so now that we have so much more evidence coming out and that there's now there's literally fire in the house when it comes to what's happening in in the white house there needs to be that this makes sense now that we're doing the impeachment articles and they're going to start the process of just the inquiry mm-hmm. of the impeachment co- concept and i like that idea i don't I, I i'm very annoyed thinking that we're going to have to deal with an impeachment for every single president going forward because that's just how it is right now because everyone's just everyone's upset with each other yeah but it's one of those that if you look at it i mean again whether it's Trump or Biden in this situation, they kind of created these problems Correct. for themselves. Yeah. You know, it's not like they were, de- with with Russia, as we now know, steel dossier, Russia involvement, blah, blah, blah. That was Russia, all Russia, Russia. manufactured, that was all manufactured by the Correct. Democrats. Correct, all of it. Um, and so, um, now could they do something like that, let's say to a DeSantis or a Nikki Haley or a, you know, and just make up something? And, of course. You know, and it's, yes, that's what absolutely. they do. But is it would be very difficult to do that now? Yeah. Because there's just there's so much pent up anger within the population. Like, look, you were telling us three like three weeks before the election last cycle that this was real. Like all yeah. your all your FBI people said, sign the papers. Oh, this looks real, and now it's not true at all. So was there any ramification for the, all those people that signed that letter? No. No. But the American people are upset yeah. that this got to the point to where it, we've been wasting our time for the last four years dealing with this crap. Well, and you look at it at the state level. I mean, Democrats are still suing Ron DeSantis for having removed Andrew Warren, uh, having removed the uh, state attorney in Orlando. Um, and so they're always going to find something to push back with, right? Especially here in Florida where they have no political power whatsoever. None. Um, but what they, what again, I think gives DeSantis the edge over Trump is that DeSantis doesn't go into these decisions lightly. He's an attorney, Ivy League attorney, <laughs> like, you know, JAG attorney. He's a smart man. I mean, so 
you know, the reason why he's been so successful as a governor is because when he's made these controversial decisions, he's made sure that he's gone about them in a legal way. You know, and so people want to talk like redistricting right now for like the Orlando area and that sort of, I'm sorry, the Jacksonville area and all that's coming into light where one court shoots it down. Well, I bet you for every one court that shot it down, there's going to be another one that's going to approve them. You know, and that happens in every redistricting move. And what's even crazier about that is the Democrats have to approve the maps as well. Johnny, I understand what you're saying, and I get what you're saying. But at the end of the day, the governor is too short to be president. And because of those issues. <laughs> That's right. They're, they're usually over six feet, right? Yes, he is 5'9". Uh-huh. Is that all he is? Yes. I, yeah. He used to stand on a box there's while he's in the next a, debate. There's a reason why the boots were there. Yeah, their heels. <laughs> yeah. Well, we saw we saw Marco Rubio do the same thing. Oh, he got called out for that as well. You know, he bought he bought the high heeled boots. You know, the you know to wear during the campaign and all that. And you know, I mean, obviously there's some credence to it because if they're not both the same size, they're both the same size. Yeah. They're both the same height. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, now he present now Marco looks taller. Average. No, I would say the opposite. I would say DeSantis Rob? looks taller on TV, on camera, that sort of thing. He kind of presents mm. taller, maybe because he's kind of stockier, you know, you know, uh, up top. But, yeah. but um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I mean, in corporate America, you can say the same thing. You know, you hear about that taller men typically, you know, get more leadership positions, exactly. higher pay and that sort of thing. And I mean, there's obviously some psychology to it, um, but will it, affect this this election i mean who knows i mean right now one of the things that i know is um uh that some of the latest polling is showing is that pretty much all of the republican <laughs> in, in the candidates can be biden you know and that's just starting to kind of surface because of how poorly you know his approval ratings are well, uh, I, I can't believe that 41 percent still think he's doing a good job those people live under a rock. It's not even that concept anymore. It's the fact that they're never going to say something against. I mean, we, I mean, there are parts in Florida that you can say whatever you want about a Republican, and they're never going to say the opposite direction. And the same thing you have with the, the Democrats. You have that base of like 30, 40 percent that are mm-hmm. always going to vote for their person. It's the margins that are starting to build that we win these elections nowadays. It's the independence. Yeah, and always. it's the huge independence movement that the Democrats have been losing. I mean, the independents were Democrats at one time majority of them probably were and the fact that they're not willing to register as democrats which means that they're not as loyal to the party so this coming election cycle i'm fascinated to see what it's going to look like because again he's trump is making inroads in the asian population the african-american population hispanics have been insane for the governor for the for the president for 45 and seeing that i don't see us having an issue now where the reason why Trump lost in 2020 was because of the white male um, not coming in as as aggressive as they did in the past. Like he lost in that demographic. I don't think we're going to see that again. I think the other demographics are going to push him over if he does become the nominee. This and isn't cycle. it funny that the more he gets indicted, oh. the more popular he becomes. And yeah. with, I mean, I I I've seen. Uh, People in Atlanta, African Americans in Atlanta, that were all standing out there, and you know, I'm not going to say the word, but and for Trump, yeah. um, and I've seen more and more videos online on Twitter, and I mean, I'm sorry, X, and other places. <laughs> um, <little> conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
than I've ever seen. Yeah. And I don't know if how big that is, but it's fascinating to me that people are, I don't know if it's, is it because he might be a crook now or is it because they've, you know, they, they feel like um, police officers or law enforcement and that they have gotten screwed by law enforcement and DAs and, and people like that. And now they think the same thing's happening to Donald Trump. So it makes him more relatable. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, we've had this conversation. The moment that they started doing, like he was in New York and they had to, the arraignment. And I was, I was so, I was like, they've made me want to vote for him again. They've made me want to vote yeah. for him again because of how much they're desperately trying to, to pull his name off the ballot. You are trying to take away choice from the American people. If they, and we've said this before, if they would have just said nothing, no trial, no, not just leave him alone. I bet you Trump wouldn't even be in the ether of running again. I agree. But because you keep on putting his name out there, he's going to get more and more attention. It's the same thing that happened in 2016. Everybody, all they did was talk about Trump. They talked about Trump. And so because even though he's been indicted, he is in the news constantly. And everybody talks about him. Correct. That's, you know, free advertising. Well, the fact that, again, as we just talked about, you know, the the Russian interference was was a hoax and the the Steele dossier was a hoax. And, you know, the Ukrainian phone call was an overreach on the Democrat side. Like every time they file something, it becomes that it's not enough or it it doesn't do what they say it's going to happen. So what is the, you know, what other assumption is the American people going to make other than either A, you think he's guilty of all of it, and you're just ignoring reality at that point, Um, or B, most people are realizing, guess what? You know, the the government is 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 not here to protect any of us, and in fact, if anything, they're out to get him, mm-hmm. and they're out to take him down, and they see all of this for what it is. They would rather destroy the institutions than allow Trump another four years. Which, if you would have just been okay with and gave, and not say gave, but wasn't wasn't trying to manipulate. They were talking about this. That woman wrote a book about how. The election. She doesn't say the election was stolen, but she said there was a lot of hanky panky happening of in the 2020, it <laughs> and it was like it was like the manipulation of the media, the manipulation of tech moguls, the manipulation of the federal agencies, and you're like they're doing all of this to try to get him out of office, which yeah. means that once it comes to light, people are going to get pissed and they're going to want to vote for him again. Well, we saw. I mean, we've proven now, thanks to Elon Musk, we've proven, and Zuckerberg has has, has, has owned admitted. up to the fact that the federal government was manipulating the elections. They were manipulating the news cycle, and they were silencing conservative Correct. voices. Correct. You know, what more evidence do you need to to, to know that uh, that the election was uh, severely interfered with to prevent Trump from having a second administration? And the only way to pay get those people to stop doing things like that is for Trump to get into office. And that's my position. The problem is, is our government is so huge. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like how much of it, you know, Vivek talks about it, you know, and and he's thrown out numbers as large as 75% of the the government, you know, what it would basically, you know, would, would be dissolved. which again, I mean, sounds insane, but in all reality, knowing the level of corruption and where it's at, I mean, that's probably about where you need to be to truly bring in the reform that you need to get this government back on track. So could anybody do what they're all saying they're going to do other than Trump? I mean, because like I said earlier, he has nothing to lose now. The problem is, is, is whether or not, um, because the speculation is, is that Trump is, would not be able to hold the House and he wouldn't be able to win the Senate if he were to, to win the presidency. 
Um, and honestly, without Congress, I don't think you can make that level of reform I don't, without I don't, having both houses, honestly. I have, to, I have to push back. The fact is, if we are able to win the White House, I think that does come with the House will probably win as well, just because the, the districts and the and the, that he would have to win to become president are going to be, or he's going to have to win the popular votes in those states. Yeah. And I do think that Senate is going to go, the Senate is going to go Republican. I don't know about that. I'm very apprehensive of the Senate going Republican. I'm more confident that we keep the House or grow the House than we do lose the Senate. Or I mean, no, get the Senate back. I mean, you have to look at some of these cities. You have to look at New York City and and, uh, you know, AOC is having a lot of issues in her district because of all the immigrants that, that are coming into New York. You know, San Francisco, Pelosi, she's probably going to get reelected, right? Which is but, insane. But there has she's to be a breaking 84 point. years old. Well, and not only that, but, but San Francisco is literally falling apart. I mean, you have people, uh, do, you know, doing all kinds of things in the street, from drugs to bathroom use, um, and, and, and homelessness is rampant. Businesses are All the are businesses just flying, are closing. Are, but they don't uh, care. The residents you know, do not care. They would rather <clears throat> keep on voting Democrats so then they themselves think that they are progressive and they are God's I mean, if they at the least world. voted for somebody else... Even if it was another Democrat, you'd be okay. There's some level of sanity here because they at least got rid of Nancy, you know, Pelosi, or they at least got rid of Gavin Newsom. You know, they at least, you know, did something about the problem, even if it's not electing a Republican. But they won't even go that far. No. I, I don't. I don't. I don't understand. And I. And that's kind of why I want to see if they will make the video about when California went from red to blue to figure yeah. out why is there such a stagnation when it comes to the Democratic Party, when it comes to their people. There's no leadership coming up into the ranks. All yeah. of them are just absolutely r ridiculous. And what we're finding in the Republican Party is that at least our ranks are trying to fill up more with younger and more vibrant individuals. We're going to take a quick little water break. Uh, we're going to lose audio here for just a second. We need to kind of restart one of our equipment um, and then we'll kind of get jump right back into the conversation because um, we do want to pull up the poll numbers and we can't pull it up right now without this. So just a quick uh, break as we restart something here. Don't go anywhere. Hang tight. More of the yard sign here in a minute difficulty um but uh we're back up and running and and again we we've had a lot really kind of uh hinging on you know how does this affect the election right i think that's what everybody w thinks about worries about you know when we're talking about the news of the day the political news of the day um and so we were taking a look at uh, 538 and we're going to pull that up here in a second and uh and and really What's been interesting is, you know, what you guys were saying was true. Um, you know, it seems that a lot of the controversy that is, you know, uh, basically consumed Donald Trump's campaign. Because really, I mean, he hasn't run much of a campaign. It's been mostly about... How can he? Uh, right, exactly. You know, and, and the one thing that bothers me from the outside is that he does there are there have been reports of him using campaign funds to pay for some of the legal legal fees of all the all this stuff that's happening um uh where again if you're allegedly as wealthy as you say you are then why are you using campaign funds to pay your legal bills because it's smart thing um, to do yeah. <laughs> why we, would i use my own money but in the latest, you know, we've got uh, we, we've got uh, Trump um, ahead of fifty five, almost sixty percent, fifty five point five percent. Amazing. Um, in the in the primary, 
and DeSantis, who again, they, they, they're, and at this point, I don't think it's anything the campaign can do. I don't think that there's anything that the DeSantis campaign can do other than have Trump show up at a debate. You know, I don't think that there's anything um, that, um, that, that the DeSantis campaign can do to kind of turn around. He's still in second place, but he's at 14.2%. You know, being that he originally started off, I think, somewhere in the high 20s, maybe low 30s. Um, and now that's obviously at about half. Um, Ramaswamy, you know, kind of like, you know, the, the new star, I guess, in this uh, uh, political process uh, is half of that at 7.6%. Uh, Nikki Haley hanging in there, strong at 6.1%. Pence, surprisingly, is at 4.7%. And then anything below that, because I think if you're anything below that, uh, you're not, yeah. yeah, you're you're not even going to be allowed on the debate stage. But Christie comes in at three percent. Scott um, is two point six. Yeah, Tim Scott, nothing. Yeah, I mean, he's it's again, it's he's it, a nice guy. And then the problem is, is that is that when you when you're going up against such a big personality like Trump, you know, you can't just be like the kind of nice guy like the nice soft-spoken level-headed guy but this um, is the thing if if there is a, and there is a second debate and if trump does attend that second debate i don't think they attack trump i honestly don't think so i think they attack attack desantis and the other guy that um i always get his name wrong, ramaswamy ramaswamy that i think they'll go after them and you'll have attacks from um from the others going after those two and trying to pull because it's it's more of a race or who's going to be vice president honestly i that's how it felt this entire time already yeah. so i don't i can see um desantis going after trump that makes sense but then everyone's going to be attacking uh, DeSantis. I now, real I quick, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just going to say real quick here on our screen. We'll see. First of all, real quick is, again, 54.2% disapprove of Joe Biden. He's down into the four, barely 40%. He's got 40, almost 41% approval rating. Um, I think if that gets below 40, he's done. I mean, you could basically elect a penguin uh, over Biden. <laughs> uh, now, go ahead and scroll up if you don't mind. And... Um, that and to get down to there it is right there uh on the right hand side um again trump at 55 percent santis you know when you click on that where it says see all primary polls um you know you'll see the breakdown there and again this is over on 538 where they kind of average out all the political polling that's happening out there um and so yeah, I mean, you know, certain polls, you know, especially like in the early primary states are going to be different um, uh, because, you know, their their elections coming up soon. Um, but again, I don't I don't know that there's anything really at this point that anybody could do to beat Trump. Um, and so, so the numbers that I, I'm looking at right now, because I'm looking at the the YouGov with Biden, 49, Trump, 50. I'm I'm shocked that Trump is above Biden at the moment. I think that's that's a clear indication that there is a problem with the Biden administration and a, with his with his uh, campaign. And the first set of questions that they asked was about his age and fitness questions. And those were those were fascinating. So Biden against Trump, if elected in 2024, they would uh, finish a second term 
They believe Biden has a 34% chance of finishing a second term. Uh, leaving office before second term ends is 44%. Yeah. And not sure that he'll even make it is 22%. It's Those are fascinating numbers. Well, the, again, you know, and Democrats have a right to be concerned, especially, you know, when they have a vice president like Kamala Harris, you know, in that seat. And they don't like her either. Uh, I mean, she's she's just as bad for the ticket as you know all these other issues are but they can't get rid of her because they don't want to get rid of her you, historically think, oh, you i don't think you can oh yeah no historically yeah historically you can when, run was, no, because when was the last time that we had that situation i mean though? it's been a long time it's been decades but i mean imagine she quail. is a <clears throat> she's not really a black woman but yeah. they have said they elected a black woman to be vice president imagine if Biden no, got politically rid of they can't get rid of her. Legally, yes, they can. Well, yeah. I mean, but, they can they can replace her. But I her do on the think ticket. politically, oh, if they got rid of her, it oh, would be a disaster. Oh yeah. Even though disastrous. she's a disaster, in my opinion. Well, because again, you still got you know people like the the women of the view, and you know that think <laughs> you know that she's you know God's gift to women in politics, you know, and and uh, again, she's just. I, I mean, I can't even call it a disappointment. It's not even disappointing. She's it's, incompetent. Uh, yeah, incompetent. I mean, to to the worst degree. I mean, at least with Biden, when his brain slips, I mean, you, you, know, you can attribute it to his age. I mean, what's Kamal's excuse? And she hasn't gotten better. No, because it's been I three think, week, three years, and she's still it's getting worse. It's her ego. Salad. I think it's her ego. Honestly, I think the cause of her being the way she is is her ego. And she thinks she's a good public speaker. She thinks she's How a good politician. Did she watched herself? I mean, come Apparently on. Not. She's you awful. Know. And the thing that comes is that you know you're going to be criticized from the other side regardless, right? So she must think, oh, they're just saying that because they don't like me. Uh, when in, in reality, again, there are plenty of Democrats who have realized her incompetence and have realized that the worst thing for them, other than Biden, you know, not being able to finish out a term is having Kamala Harris finish out a term. That would um, be the worst situation to occur. Look, and people, you know, Gavin Newsom's getting interviewed and hit with that question regularly. You but know, is he going to run? You know what? Um, we should. If I would say, let it happen this year and next year. So then we get the first African American female and first Indian American female, and first female president. Just out get it out, and of, get the it way. out of the way. Get and it out of the way. Then you don't have to deal with it anymore. And it's yeah. not like that's not an issue because yeah, I would love to see a woman president one of these days. And and yes, a and Republican. Give, give me a good candidate for a female president, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Hillary Clinton killed half of her staff, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> so let's not even go there when it comes to her hit list right. and going from there. And the rest of them are just even more fine sign. Like she doesn't even know what, what century she's in, and the other ones are even worse. And that's what I'm saying. There's no good female Democrat candidate that is out there that I could imagine, even imagine voting for. Right. Even, however, with the Republicans, I can think of seven people females right now that I would be much more willing to vote for as a female president going forward from there. So I, I don't. I just. I don't. Yes, I agree on both of your points. That I would love to see how the Democrats are going to feng shui their way out of not having Kamala Harris as the next person on the ticket. Yeah. Because Gavin Newsom has already said that. Oh no, it's her turn. It's her turn if she was if she's to run. And I'm like, that's insane. That's an absolute. I, mean, I don't think, buy think that. of how how she like was that. when oh. she ran when she ran for president. I mean, she lasted what couple months? She didn't right. even dropped out her- before Iowa. Dropped yeah. out before California, her own state. Her, it was insane. That's not good. 
that the numbers show that no one wanted to vote for her in her yeah. own state, which was absolutely insane. At least in the Republican primary, they waited until yeah. they got to their own state to <laughs> you know decide whether or not they were viable. At least, but that's also another thing that tells you about California is that they only vote for the whoever has the D on their on their name. There's there's no nuance comes to voting. Whereas in Florida, it's more of a it's you got to well gotta, not in the large metro because Northern California it. is conservative. Yeah, and um, the Central Valley of that yeah. part. Yeah. It's insane, though. It's absolutely insane how the, the voting cycle is now. Well, and so they're talking, you know, about Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer. You know, it's not that they don't have a bench. Um, the That's problem is, is that bench. it's it's not their bench is not palatable to their base, right? Because as we've seen, the progressives are continuing to push harder and faster to the left, and so they're going to want it. Like we've seen with this administration, they're going to want to see somebody that's trans, or they're going to want to see somebody that's LGBT. Obviously, we already had um, the um, Buttigieg, you know, um, as as a candidate, um, and obviously a failed Department of Transportation uh, head, uh, and and so. The the only thing I could see really working, really able to take down Gavin Newsom, is his own his own identity, really his his own genetic makeup. You know the fact that he's a white male, and that's not going to play well in the Democratic Party anymore. Not in today's Democratic Party. I keep hearing that, um, and of course I don't know if it's true or not, but a lot of people say that what's going to happen is Joe Biden is not going to want to get out, but Michelle Obama is going to get in. No, that's not going to happen either. I don't think you so. Sure? Yeah. I mean, you heard so many reports about her hating to live at the White House and how she kind of really just doesn't really have the same taste for politics as Barack does. Also, the Obamas um, have no traction whatsoever with the American people now. They, they are doing horrible when it comes to fundraising. They have lost their Netflix specials. They lost their, their podcasts the, and everything The black else. community, admittedly, you know, will tell you, you know, I've had many friends of mine tell me that they did nothing for the black community, you know, and which that's correct. They did zero, zero for the black and community. Actually even though you don't hear about this very much, Donald Trump did a lot for the black community. Right. The he gave money colleges. to the colleges. <clears throat> he, he, uh, the unemployment level was, yeah. not only was it low overall, when but a it lot was of also them, low in the African-American When community. a lot of them understood too, that a lot of these opportunity zones, you know, that, you know, were, were designated across the state, you know, that very much targeted, you know, minority communities, you know, black and Hispanic communities where again, businesses and investors were not willing to go in, right. now had a financial, uh, a financial advantage to go into those communities and invest. And uh, because again, it was advantageous for them to do so. And at the, uh, and at the and time, that had a, that's had a huge impact on those communities. And at the time when we were talking about the uh, the historical black colleges and their funding, um, the Burfees Club made a, a, a fascinating concept, a fascinating connection, where it was that they felt the funding was almost like a, a flag of okay, we're gonna we're gonna pay for this for this year, but we're not gonna do it. You got to come back to us next year for us to get more funding. And Trump said it to where it, they never have to go back to Congress for more funding. That was right. the it was more or less like a, a check mark every single cycle for Democrats, and it became a situation to where they were only doing it for the the. He took, it off, he took it off, he the, took table. It off the table. He took it off the table. And that's what I think a lot of people got were really proud about that when it came to the president. Right. But again, do they, does he does he really get the credit that he deserves no. for things like that? No. 
No, of course not. But, you know, we'll continue to see. I mean, um, uh, you know, we, we you, I know you guys kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the jet. Maybe we'll get into that next week and see if they've recovered it by then yet. Um, you <laughs> I'm going to go look for it because isn't there a giant reward? If I can <laughs> find right. a stealth jet that's yeah, 70 missing. Million dollar yeah, the jet. Russians will pay you $50 million. Exactly. Oil, they don't have dollars anymore. I'm sure the Chinese would give you a little more. <laughs> Um, Bitcoins. Oh, I'm already seeing, like, you know there's somebody already kind of writing the movie on this, you know. I mean, How do because, you lose an $80 million jet? Well, and especially if it's on autopilot, well, who's to say there wasn't some nefarious kind of deal made there where that jet's automatically flying itself to, you know, China. Our, Technically, it would get yeah. to Russia before if it's, I don't even know what direction it's going, but someone has to find it. <laughs> I don't know. So we'll see. Thank you so much, Starla J. Thank you. For coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Enable, thank you as always. Oh, yeah. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have more political news for you next Monday. Uh, thank you so much for watching, listening, whenever, wherever you may be doing so. Again, you can catch the show on Facebook, YouTube, uh, all of your favorite uh, podcast platforms if you want the audio version of the show. Uh, but we, of course, invite you to also join us on our website, theyardsignshow.com. That's the Yard Sign Show. Uh, thank you so much for listening and watching. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.